This is the Koinos Community Church Podcast. Subscribe so that you can join us regularly as we look to find ways to close the gap between who we are and who God longs for us to be. Happy New Year, everybody. Saw some of you last weekend, but this is our first time back together since Christmas Eve as a whole bunch of folks in this place. Not a whole bunch, a bunch, a few, I don't know, a gathering, a gaggle. Yeah, a gaggle. Thank you, Julia. Yeah. Um, if there's one thing I know about God, it's that second chances are okay. Do-overs, mulligans try it again, beginning again. Think about people like me. I've had plenty of opportunities to start afresh, do something new, try something new, um, have a do-over when I've messed up, made mistakes. Think about the people in in the Bible that we've read about or you've heard about. You haven't even had to read the Bible to kind of know some of these people that have had, had second chances. Moses, he killed somebody, but he got to lead his people out of Egypt. Noah, talk about a fresh start. Um, David, Ruth, although she didn't do anything wrong, she had a fresh start. She got a new beginning and made the most of it. Then you have guys like Jonah who had a couple of different tries and still managed to blow things up. But we're like that, right? And that's why we need those second chances. We need opportunities to a begin again, to start afresh. And that's kind of what our new year is all, what, what, it ha- what happens at the beginning of the year is like, you're going to make a resolution, you're going to try harder, you're going to do better. And oftentimes, like Ben mentioned when he was given our, um, our, our he was uh, welcoming you, is that, you know, we try to resolve to do these things, but we fail pretty quickly, pretty miserably, miserably sometimes. And other times it's just like, well, that, that just didn't work out. But today we're going to look at a story of a woman who is given a second chance. But it's not just about the woman with a second chance. It's this crowd of people who are given an opportunity to start afresh and think about things differently. But before we get into that, will you pray with me? God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing in your sight and helpful to those who hear them. It's in your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I think, it, I, I know everybody here, but I'm Andrew Carpenter. For those maybe listening on the podcast who haven't been here in a while or don't know who this person is with this gravelly voice, um, I want to read this passage of Scripture to you. And, uh-oh, this does not look like what I thought it did. Dang. <clears throat> so if you have an app on your Bible, on your phone, if you have an app on your Bible, if you have an app on your phone, <clears throat> pull out John 8. Chapter 3, verse 3. John chapter 8, verse 3. Because that does not look right. We'll see what happens. I'm going to read it, and if it's not up there, you'll know. But pay attention, focus, because we are. I'm going to have Ben kind of walking around in the room to take some feedback and ask some questions. Okay, I'll ask the questions. He'll take the feedback. Okay. Ben might ask some questions. He's pretty good at that. Um, I'm not going to put you on the spot, though, pal. promise. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman 
who had been caught in adultery, and making her stand before all of them, they said to him, this is to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They said this to test him, so they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to cast a stone at her. And once again he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. So what do you, was it all up there? Do we miss some? We missed some. Okay. Well, but what did you notice in that story? I tried to read with some, yeah, I tried to read it to where it was un, slow enough and understandable enough. What did you notice in there? You've heard this story before, right? We've all, like, that's almost a part of our cultural uh, thing. We know not to cast the first stone, right? We've heard that. Even if you've never been at church, you're like, don't throw stones at glass houses, those types of things, right? What did you notice in this passage that maybe you hadn't noticed before or maybe just kind of struck you? Got one up here. Does he not just directly say to them, let anyone among you who is without sin, what does he, does he write it? Does he, does he write the instruction in the sand? That, he, that's a good question, right? What does he write in the ground? When they, he said, let any, he says, let anyone among you without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote what? We don't know what he wrote in the sand. Wrote with his finger you on the any, ground. You got any guesses? We got a guess over here. It's okay. We'll make some conjecture. I'm going to make some conjecture today, too. I always love when people catch that for the first time, that it doesn't actually say what he wrote. Um, one, one theory I heard once that I think is really interesting is that he's writing out, like, the worst, quote-unquote, sins of all the people that are standing there ready to stone her. I always mm. like that idea. Oh. And now, then they're all like, uh, and they kind of slowly back away. I just love that idea. I love picturing that. The, el- the elder drinks too much or something, right? I think he has written, where's the dude? <laughs> where's the dude? Where's the guy? <clears throat> they obviously caught her in adultery. You can't be caught in adultery by yourself, right? Takes two to tango, right? But again, they bring this woman, you know, okay, keep, keep going because ha- I'm, I'm going to, yeah. What else? I always think when you write something in the sand, it's going to be washed away just like the sin. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. That will preach. Welcome. Good to see you. Oh, thank you. Up and running around. Running around. Walking around. <laughs> I just always um, heard or that he was just scribbling in the sand, I guess. And I just like thought maybe it was just to make them all think. <laughs> just like Kind of like doodling, right? It's like... Because it's, if it's a big crowd, they might not be able to see what he's got, what he's writing up there, right? But 
Yeah, so they're all thinking, hmm, what is he writing, right? Just like we are. Yeah. I just thought it was um, kind of childlike. You know how kids, when they don't want to look at you or when you ask them things, they kind of like do that. <laughs> and I think he was, he was ignoring them. Hmm, interesting. So they were, being, they were being direct with him, and he was being maybe indirect with them. Um, I thought it was a juxtaposition for the laws of Moses because those were in like stone tablets that they broke and then he's writing in the dirt which you know wasn't very strong to begin with so very good wow maybe we don't know it doesn't say what else what did anybody else notice anything else So Carmen noticed the dude wasn't there, right? Think about this for just a minute. Does Jesus have any legal authority over any of these people? No, he doesn't. And yet they bring this woman to him, it says, to test him. But he has no authority over them. He's not a leader in the temple. He's not, I mean, he's a leader. He's kind of one of those leaders that it's not positional, it's in fact, right? I don't know if that, that's not the right Raising. But we have people that are like that are managers or supervisors or CEOs or whatever, but they're not necessarily good leaders. Jesus was a leader, and so he was recognized, and I think the people that even brought those, the women in adultery to him would have recognized him as a p- person of authority and leadership, although he didn't legally have any kind of say over what would happen to this woman. Um, <clears throat> did you, who left first? The older people, right? Isn't that kind of how it is? I mean, I, I remember, well, I kind of remember being 20 years old and thinking I knew everything, right? And thinking I knew better than my parents or whoever else was in authority. And that as I get older and older, now in my 50s, I'm like, oh, I, I knew very little back then and I don't know much more now. And so I think the older we get, hopefully the older we get, the more we realize that We've, we don't have all these things figured out. Um, the question was like, what, what, did he, what did he write? Was he maybe just drawing a line in the sand for them to say, okay, I'm over here on this side of it, and I'm the only person that hasn't sinned here, and you guys are all on this other side. I, I don't know. We don't know what he wrote. We also don't know, let's see, what is what does this say about Jesus and our relation to sin and our opportunity for second chances? He gives this woman a second chance. She was obviously caught in adultery. We don't know if it was a setup from the beginning. Since the man's not there, maybe it was a setup and he got her in, you know, in that time and place. She could have been totally manipulated by this whole situation. Um, unbeknownst to her, she just went someplace because she was told to go there or she was forced to go there or coerced or whatever. But the man, there's no consequences for this person. And so I kind of think about that a lot as I've read this in the last few years. I've just think about this man who is anonymous and gets to remain anonymous. And I like the fact that in our present day and age, we have less and less of that anonymity for men who do things that are wrong, that those things should be brought out into the light.
we don't know what happened to the woman after this. Some people conjecture about it being Mary Magdalene. I don't think it is. It's just a, a woman who gets to be a part of this story. Some of the early accounts from John don't even have this story inserted. It may have been put in later. But I don't think that depletes the value in the story. But we don't know what happened to this woman. But I bet she gave up putting herself into that, those types of situations if she could avoid it. You know, we can make some conjecture, we can make some assumptions, we can make some, we could put forward some ideas regarding her avoidance of adultery in the future. I know, um, I know what I would do if I was caught in something that, I know what I've done when I was caught in something or when I knew that I was failing. I know that some of the things that I did in order to ensure I didn't fail again. And so we can conjecture on maybe some of the things she did. We can also kind of make a plan for ourselves so that when Jesus says, go and sin no more, we can go and sin no more. Ben, you can sit down. We're, we're done with the conversation part right now. Thanks. Just getting my New Year steps in. <laughs> you just kind of pace right back and forth. This, uh, that'll keep me going back and forth a little bit. Um, but the, to ensure that she didn't sin again, she could have put some things in place to help her do that. I've had to stop things before. I've had to start things before. And there's always a pattern of how we can begin to do this. Now, there's also some question about, well, he told her not to sin again. And that's a heavy burden. He tells a blind man, there was another story, um, I was thinking about relating both these stories, but I thought one was probably good enough, but there's a story of a blind man, and he's healed, and a lot of people see his healing, and he's in his 40s, he's a grown man, he's been blind since birth, and um, he doesn't really know for sure who healed him, and so Jesus goes and finds him and says, because he's getting a lot of, he's getting in trouble because he's saying that he, he He's, he's acting as if God had done this healing, and the Pharisees are like, no, that's, that can't be true. It's like, it, it is true. And Anyways, I say all that to say this, that Jesus tells this man to stop sinning or something worse may happen. And so I think when Jesus says t- those types of things, I don't think he's necessarily talking broadly, never sin again, because I think Jesus was a realistic person, and he would say, yeah, you're probably not going to make that happen. But when he tells his woman, go and sin no more, I think he's being specific to that sin. Don't fall into this trap of adultery again. When he tells that blind man, don't, don't do this again or you'll fall into tr- trouble, it's when he's, he's not acknowledging that Jesus is the one who healed him. So it's like, make sure to acknowledge the person that healed you. Make sure that you don't fall into this again. And so when we say, when you see those types of things, don't feel the extra burden of, oh, I'm never going to get that right. But feel it for that certain thing that you can go, okay, maybe I can get this thing right. And if I can get this thing right, maybe there's something else that I can get right as well. So there's some opportunities that we have to be new, to be made new, to be fresh in our lives. One of the things that we, sit, that we can look at is that our problems are unique to us. This woman was caught in adultery. Maybe I overeat or drink too much or run off at the mouth or am complaining or whatever those types of things are. Those unique things that are 
the thing that I know that I need to, to change about myself. Each one of us has unique things that Jesus may be calling us to sin no more or to fall into no more. And it begins at home. We're ultimately responsible for the things that we do for our behavior. This woman was told not to sin again. Now, she may have been coarse. She may have been lured into this trap by the, all these men to make a point of Jesus. We don't know those things, but we know that she had to shoulder some of that because Jesus acknowledges that she's to sin, she is to sin no more. And so that's when we get a lot of trouble too, is that we blame our circumstances or our environment or how we were brought up or the economy or whatever it is that we might blame for our trouble. We have to understand that, hey, it starts right here with us. And if we are to sin no more, if we were to go and do better next time we have to go it's that's going to be up to some responsibility here on me and then there's the the intentionality of the thing here's the thing I'm not going to do this thing anymore here's the thing that I've been doing instead I'm going to do this you know if you're trying to build a, a a new habit or do something good then you may want to get rid of some other habit or you may want to set up your environment in a different way if you want to drink more water, you might put a, put a glass in the kitchen and a glass in your office and a cup by your bedside or whatever so that you'll be drinking more water. You set yourself up for success. So there's intentionality involved in that. It's not just, hey, I'm going to try harder. Well, try harder, but do some things that will make your life work better. And then there's accountability. I know any time in the past when I've tried to make a new start or a fresh start or do something better, it works well when I've told somebody about it. Now, in this story of this woman, it says that Jesus was left alone with her. But I'm not sure that is exactly right because the disciples were with Jesus and the disciples didn't peel off. It says in the next couple of verses that he began teaching them. And so... Somebody saw Jesus say that to that person. We know Jesus didn't write any of this stuff down, except maybe in the sand. Maybe that's the only thing he wrote down was this stuff that he wrote in the dirt. But somebody wrote it down. Somebody heard it, right? And it was said to this woman, and so there's some accountability even in that. It wasn't a huge city. Jerusalem was not a small place, so the place that they were was not just tiny. They would have known each other to a degree. The people that were there would have known who this woman was. And so there's the accountability there. And so when we say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink more water, will you kind of make sure, that, I don't know, will you, if I'm not doing that, it's okay to tell me, hey, you need to drink more water. That's what accountability is. It's not nag me to make sure I do it right. It's like if I'm not doing it right, I'm giving you permission to say, hey, you need to do this. And so... There's some accountability for that woman. There can be some accountability for us. So those are just four little Andrewisms about how we can make these things better. They're not new to us or you or me, but it's a good reminder of how we can succeed in those do-overs, those mulligans that we get. One of the best things about almost any endeavor is our opportunity to try again, to get a chance. Jesus gives those chances to us over and over again. It says in the scriptures that 
God's mercies are new each day. And I take that in on myself every day. It's one of these prayers that um, Carmen and I have talked about, which she taught a few weeks ago. And I, I, I've been do, going through the, this prayer cycle about, and, and one of the words is, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Every single day, I pray that a few times because I need that. And when I show mercy, when, when I ask for that mercy for myself, it makes me a lot more merciful for other people. See, Jesus isn't really big on condemning. He had his harshest words for the people that were the condemners. We can, like the people in this story, we can put our stones down. Sometimes we hold those stones for ourselves. Sometimes we hit ourselves with those stones. Sometimes we're looking for a fight. We're looking to stone someone else. But we can put down our stones and begin again. We can verbalize, just as Jesus did, our refusal to condemn. He says, I don't condemn you. Where are your accusers? All those folks left. They peeled off. How much more gracious would our world be if we weren't condemning others for their actions? Instead, if we were building each other up and encouraging each other. I'm going to have Dan and Julia come back up. Um, And as they do, Dan's going to strum. I I forgot to tell Dan he was going to do this. I told Julia that Dan was going to do this. <laughs> yeah, a couple of weeks out of practice here myself. It's all me. Start strumming, Dan, whenever you're ready. But I want you guys to close your eyes and think about what might be a stone that you're holding on to, whether it's a stone you're hitting yourself with or you're throwing at somebody else. And what is there? Is there something that you're doing that that you sense that Jesus is telling you? Just go and do no more. So, what's that stone you're holding on to, and can you let it go? And what's that thing you can go and do no more? come to the altar today, Lord. As a group, we want to pray this prayer. Lord, we pray for a fresh start. Forgive forgive us when we slip. Show mercy to us as we show mercy to others. Before we judge, remind us of our many flaws. Grant us the grace to begin again. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Koinos Podcast. If you like what you hear, like, subscribe, and share it. You can connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at CC and on YouTube at Koinos Community Church. Until next time, be well, do good, and love others.